My name is Bryce, I have a new life in Christ and I'm in recovery from fear of man, pride, um, fear of intimacy, and this past week, fear of intimacy. Hey y'all, it's good to be here with you guys again. Um, if you've been with us, that we've been through a series or been going through a series called True Love. And this true love that we've been talking about um, began with this type of love called phileo. And then we talked about um, eros and then storge. And what we said in week one is that when we see God for who he truly is, we become transformed. If this is your first time here and you're looking for healing and you're looking for freedom, it's found in Jesus, period, period. Yes, thank you, sir. Um, that's an encouragement I need. Um, but it's found in him. It's found in nowhere else. And what, um, what we've been doing through this true love series is talking about these different aspects of love who point us to the true love, the ultimate love. And that ultimate love is what we are going to be talking about today. And what I want to say is that those loves that he provides for us, like Eros or Phileo or um, Storgi, those are good things. Those are good gift from him, for gifts from him, but they aren't the end of themselves. They serve to point us to Jesus. In 1 John um, chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. So we have come to know and to believe the love of God that, but believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. God is love. The word love here, if you haven't guessed it yet, is agape. It, agape in in the Greek is really translated to perfect, benevolent, moral love. Perfect, benevolent, moral love. It says that God is perfect, moral, benevolent love. God is that thing. He, it is his essence. He is the embodiment of perfect love. And so tonight we're gonna end this series of true love, talking about the one true love, God himself. And um, before we start doing that, Totally, I want to share with you this story from this guy, St. Augustine, old guy from, the back, from back in the day, Christian theologian, um, said he was having a vision. He was trying to understand what it was like to understand the Trinity or who God is. He was trying to understand it in his fullness. And so he said that he was walking, he had this vision. He was on the beach. I don't know what he meant by vision, but maybe it was a daydream or whatever it was. He was on the beach, he was walking, and he sees this kid had dug a hole and has a seashell in his hand. And he's running to the water and picking up some ocean water and running back and putting it in the hole and just turning around and doing it. He keeps doing it over and over again. And as St. Augustine's walking up to him, he's like, hey, boy, what are you doing? And the boy said, oh, I'm trying to drain the ocean water into this hole. And St. Augustine was like, hey, boy, I'm sorry, dog, but that doesn't work. <laughs> and, then he's, and then the boy says back to him, so it is with your desire to try to understand the fullness of God in your finite mind. You cannot fit an infinite God into a finite mind. But that doesn't mean that he's not real. That doesn't mean he's not true. And it does not mean that he doesn't reveal himself in true ways to us. We just cannot understand him fully until we see him in glory, face to face. Um, and so with that, I want to say it's going to be, it's impossible to fit all that into 20 minutes. Um, but um, in a word, if I could give you a definition of agape for the purpose of this talk is agape is God who is love, always loves for the sake of love. God who is love, always loves for the sake of love. 
That is what agape love is. So in order to help us understand what that looks like to some degree and the best we can, I hope that the power of the Spirit reveals it to us. I've, um, we've come with three aspects or three ways, three truths of God's love that we're gonna be talking about tonight. And the first one is that God's love, agape love is unconditional and unchanging. Unconditional, unchanging. God's love is affectionate. God's love affectionately provides. Affectionately provides. God's love is also absolutely powerful. It's unchanging, unconditional, affectionately provides, and absolutely powerful. So we'll start with the first one. God's love is unconditionally, unconditional and unchanging. Because God's love, or because God's very nature is love, he never, at any point in all of eternity, ever wills or does anything actionably outside of his love. God never does anything outside of his love. God does everything in love. It's very important to understand. Hebrews 13 verse eight says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. And this is something you got to understand about Jesus Christ is that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. In totality, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell within him, the scripture says. Jesus is God. And what, is, what this is saying is that God never changes. Jesus never changes. From before time on into eternity and everywhere in between, God stays the same. And the scripture says that God is love. He is love. He's always love. And what we also need to understand about God's love and his, his very nature being love is that God is not composed of separate parts like you and I are. He's not composed of separate parts. God doesn't function in truth one time and then takes a step out and then functions in love and takes a step out, functions in justice, and then maybe a little bit of mercy whenever he decides to it. Whatever God does is whatever God is. Whatever God does is whatever God is. He never functions out of truth or, out of, or outside of truth or outside of love. He functions in all those capacities all at the same time. It's so difficult for us to understand because we're not like him in that way. But God functions all these things all the time. He's never functioned outside of his love. And scripture also tells us that God never changes his mind. We find that in Numbers 23. He never changes his mind. So because by his very nature, he is love and he never changes his mind, his love for you never ceases. His love for you never ceases. Let me help you understand a little bit more. Like God's love for you so never ceases that when his love is directed at you, literally at all time from all eternity, um, because of who he is, sometimes we'll get in our head about thinking like, well, when I kind of do this, he kind of like lets up a little bit. You know, you're like, oh no, I know God loves me all the time, but you know, he kind of shrinks back a little bit. God's love never shifts, it never changes, and it never relents, it never lightens upon you. The full love of God is directed towards you at all times. It's because it's who he is. He does not function outside of that. And that's such a difficult thing for us to understand because for us, feelings of love come and go, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Feelings, and, feelings of love come and go. Like one day we'll love tacos, the next day we won't love tacos for some reason. 
One day we'll love like going to the park and then we decide we don't really love going to the park or something super minuscule of that. Or we really love someone, we really care about someone, but then they harm us. And then our affections and our desires and our love for them disappear. And you distance yourself from them. We love things and then we don't love things. We even like and dislike people dependent upon preference, right? Like you like someone dependent upon what you prefer or what's convenient for you, our disposition towards people. And here's, the, and that's, we do that and that's why it's so hard for us to understand the love of God because we think God has conditions on his love for us, not because he has them, but because we have them. We, have the, we, we, we live in conditional love. That's why we think God doesn't love us unconditionally. Our love for other people changes. That's why we think that God's love for us changes. And it's not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's against God's nature. It doesn't exist. And we make, we make the mistake by thinking that God is like us in that way. We rob ourselves of the goodness of God because we think that God is like us in that way, but he is not like us because his ways are higher than our ways. Praise him for that. His ways are higher than ours. His love never relents, upon, relents from you. His disposition towards you is always love. God literally is love. I don't know how to explain it other than God literally is love. That means he has no obligations and no incentives to love you other than that he is love and that's what he does. He didn't need anything when he created you. You know that? So that means you can never give him anything. He created you out of love and always gives you love, period. God's love is unconditional and unchanging because he is love in and of himself. The second thing, and these are all connected, right? Because God has always loved at all times. Um, and so <clears throat> these are all connected in the sense of God's love not only is always consistent and unchanging, but it affectionately, affectionately pursues us. God's love affectionately pursues us. Out of deep, perfected affection, and I say these words, I wrote these, I'm reading it because I, I wanted this to be very specific. God's love is so important for us to know. It's how we become transformed. Out of deep, perfected affection, God pursues us according to his will, not our ways. He pursues us according to his will, out of deep, perfected affection, not according to our ways, but his will. And we see this really perfectly in the Old Testament, and we can all, kind of, we can all relate to this, but in the Old Testament, God's chosen people, if you don't know, their name, he named them Israel. And they had rebelled against God so far for so many years, hundreds of years, so much so to the point where they didn't even know who God was. They didn't know who he was at all. They were, um, they were held captive by this foreign nation called Babylon, and then they were worshiping statues that were made out of wood. They're like, hey, this is the God of the universe. Let's pray to him. And God's like, I mean, if I, I mean, I won't say if I was God, but like, that's crazy. If the God of the universe created everything, spoke us to existence, and we like, we're like, here, let's just pray and like put little beads on this wooden statue that looks like a man and call it God, that's crazy. But out of his love, even though they did that, he provided for them, he pursued them. Isaiah 43 says this. This is how God, affection, this is talking to his affection towards us. It says, because you are precious in my eyes. God's saying this. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored. 
and I love you. You are precious and you are honored and I love you. He says, I've also called you by your name. I've also called you by your name. I have given you a title of honor. Though you have not known me, Though you have not known me, I have given you a title of honor. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, he says, though you have not acknowledged me. They don't even know who he is and he provides for them. He pursues them. He strengthens them. He gives them a way out of captivity from Babylon because he loves them and they're precious to him. That's God's disposition towards us. Even though we don't know him, he pursues us. If I could describe myself before I met Jesus, um, a lot of my friends know this, uh, my team does, but I was mega blind. I would just say straight blind. I bolded it right here because, and italicized it because I was so blind. Um, because I never remember prior, prior to um, being saved, even considering or pondering or thinking about God. Like I heard about Jesus, but I never remember even asking myself what I thought about God. I was completely disinformed. I did not even acknowledge him. I was addicted to pornography. Um, I was drinking every single day. I was taking pills, illegal drugs. I was smoking weed. I was addicted to cigarettes from the time I was 12 through 17. I was in and out of sexual relationships. And I thought nothing of God, I didn't even care. I like committed crimes weekly, not because I was a rebel at all. Like I, I didn't like want to be a rebel at all. It's just what I did. I knew no other life and I knew not God. And in the midst of that, looking back, I'm like, dang, I, there, was, there should be no reason I would ever encounter God, ever, ever. Yet he pursued me because my sophomore year, I was in alternative school because I couldn't function normal in like a regular high school. And I ended up being hounded into going back into the regular school. And when I did, I sat down first day of class, facts class in the fall. It's family and consumer sciences. And this is where I learned to cook some stuff, like Caesar chicken salad, I remember. And, uh, and um, I sat down there. And then to my left, there was this girl who sat there. I'd never met her before. It was the first time. Um, I won't say her name now. But there was something different. There was something different about her. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. She started inviting me to this thing called Young Life. Um, and I was like, man, I got a crush on you. And so, yeah, let's go. I'll come. <laughs> and I went. Uh, less than a year later, I was saved, and I was the one inviting people to Young Life. We kind of dated. I think she evangelated me. But <laughs> she got engaged, actually, last Sunday. So if you're evangelating right now, it doesn't work. All right? It doesn't work. Well, I guess I was saved. I don't know. Whatever. You know, God does what he wants to do. <laughs> But a year later, I mean, I, he pursued me in facts class, in family and consumer sciences, just because a girl invited me. He pursued me in the height of my destruction. All those things I named were all the things that I was doing in, those, in that time. I didn't care about God, I didn't think about him, and then he saved me. I didn't deserve him, and I didn't believe him or even acknowledge him, but he found me. He found me. Um, and he pursued me just like the way that he's pursuing you right now. You may be like, all right, Bryce, like, what do you mean that he's pursuing me or that he affectionately pursues me? Like, I don't feel that. I don't see that. And I'm like, listen, he pursued me in fact class. You're sitting in the auditorium of a local church and you're hearing the word of God preached to you, being told that you are precious and honored in his sight and he loves you. And he's inviting you in. It doesn't matter where you've been. 
It doesn't matter what you've done or how you feel about him. His love, his love pursues according to his motive of love and not your merit. It was never been that way. He decided it before you were even born, before you were created. Um, and then lastly, we have God's love is absolutely powerful. Um, he loves you unchangingly. He affectionately pursues you and he's absolutely powerful in his love. Without fail, without fail, hindrance or hesitation, no speed bumps. God's love always accomplishes his will, always. No hesitation, no hindrance. God always, out of his love, accomplishes his will. Here's what we need to understand. Is that in the beginning, we were created by God for God. We weren't created just like roam around the world without a God. We were created by him for him. And instead of worshiping him as God, as image bearers created in his likeness, we worship creation. We worship ourselves. We turned away from him in rebellion. The worst of sin, pride. And before, and when God encounters Adam and Eve in this moment, before he says anything, he immediately promises that he's gonna save them from their sin. He's gonna save them from death and resurrect them from the dead through the Messiah, through Jesus. And then after declaring that promise, he said, hey, I'm gonna do this. He shows that he has the power to do it. By 2,000 years ago, a man is born, a baby man born, um, by the name of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And he lived the perfect life, the perfect one, the one that you couldn't live and the one that I couldn't live. And he said that he was gonna fulfill the promise that God had made way back in the, beginning of the, in the beginning of time. When we first messed it up, he's like, I'm gonna fix it, I'm the one. And what he did is instead of leading us to be um, killed for our sins, paying the penalty of death for our sin, he went upon the cross, and absorbed the wrath of God by dying for us in our place and then resurrecting from the dead. And now because of that, because he's washed, he's paid the payment of sin and death, he's offering it to us. If we would turn to him in faith and surrender to him, if we would turn to him and surrender to him in faith. And if you do this, the payment that Jesus um, had on the cross or made on the cross is now transferred to you. Therefore, your record of debt, every crime, every broken thing you've ever done has now been canceled by the blood of the cross. You've been washed clean, brand new, new creation. The old you's dead, no longer exists, period, period. Some of us need to hear it. I need to hear it. And once you're united with him by faith, washed clean by the blood of Christ, you can never be taken away from him, ever, ever. Some of you tonight are not in the hands of the Father because you've not accepted his love. You've not accepted that payment. And you're not united with him in faith by the power of the Spirit. And he's inviting you tonight to do so, to accept him. His love is always being offered to you. Will you accept him by faith? And this next thing I'm gonna read is to those of you who have received Christ, who have received the love of God, this agape love, this is for you. This is what God says to you. This passage is directly for us in Romans 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 35. Because of God's great love, everything he's ever done, despite our inability to merit any of his love, he loves us anyways. He says, what then shall we say to these things? What then shall we say to God's love? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Do you know who your God is? The creator of everything, the one who is all powerful. It's God who justifies. Who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who has the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? If you're, if you're united with him, his power is too powerful. Nothing can separate us, but separate us from him. It says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or your insecurities or your doubts or that thing that you did in your past life, or the thing you feel like you can't stop doing that addiction? What is it, like your guilt and shame? Can your guilt and shame separate you from the love of Christ? No, not at all, he says. In all these things, because of God's love, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not because we loved him, but because he loves us and he is powerful. God, who is love, is all-powerful, and if you receive God's love, it will accomplish its purpose for you. When God says he's gonna do something, he doesn't, and it's finished, he completes it. He says he will free you, and he will heal you, and he will sanctify you, and we can trust that. His love has the power to complete what he started and what he promises to do, so believer, in this room, if, you, if you've accepted Christ, if you're in relationship with him, despite wherever you may be, God's love never forsakes you. You may feel like it's distant right now. You may feel like you're in a hard season. You may feel like just this thing you can't get over um, is destroying your life, but God is with you and he will never forsake you. This region is agape love. Not in totality, God is infinite, but this is agape love. This is the God who is. And he is to come. He is to come. Agape love is unchanging. It's unconditional. It's unwavering. Agape love pursues because its own motive, not our merits. And agape love lays down his own life for his beloved children to ensure their salvation, their freedom, and their sanctification, no matter the sin. No matter the sin. This is the God of all creation. The God of love. And he loves you. He loves you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your amazing love. Thank you that your love is so great, it's unfathomable. Thank you that your love is so profound that we can't just know about it according to your word, but you ask us to experience it. You say that your love surpasses all knowledge and that when we experience your love, it changes us. You are the God of all creation. You are the essence of love. And, you, and not because we've chosen to describe you as this, but because you've described yourself as this. You do not function out of it. You cannot not love. It's who you are. And, you've, and, and out of that love, you show your glory to us. So I pray that you would um, reveal that love to us in our hearts. You would reveal it in my heart. Um, and that it would free us and sanctify us and make us new. Lord, I pray for those who, in the, who are in this room who do not know you. I pray that they would um, encounter you for the first time tonight. We love you and we trust you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.